Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm uh, Ted Odorico, and right alongside each and every week, of course, is none other than LPGA professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy, and welcome. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, the sun's been shining here in Florida for the last uh, few days. I'm glad that we had some of that, uh, that bad weather that passed through has left, so everybody's out enjoying some great golf, and uh, and uh, we had some great golf this past weekend with the, uh, the Men's Masters Tournament. We'll talk just a, a second about that here in just a moment. But I've uh, got a great show for you this morning, everybody. Uh, we're going to be uh, featuring some of the uh, top executives from the LPG are going to be joining us. Uh, Heather Daly uh, Donofrio, Ricky Lasky, and John Padani uh, is going to be joining us here in just a moment. But uh, first, let me remind everybody, of course, we are live uh, every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, for those of you that uh, want to... Uh, join us. You can go to blogtalkradio.com, type in Women of Golf uh, up in the search key, and that will take you to the main page. And of course, the show will be front and center uh, uh, right there on the page. Uh, if for some reason you can't join us during the live broadcast, just scroll down uh, on that link and you'll see the on-demand section. And all of the shows, of course, are auto-recorded. So you can uh, check us out when it's a little bit more convenient for you. You can listen to it there. Or you can go to iTunes.com and under the podcast section, you can just type in Women of Golf there as well. Uh, and tune in uh, again when it's convenient for you. If you want to call in during the live broadcast, we'd love to hear from you anytime. Uh, you can do so by calling uh, area code uh, 347-945-5855, or you can reach out to Cindy or I uh, here on the program as well uh, by emailing us. Uh, Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. We'd love to hear some comments uh, and uh, any thoughts that you may have on future shows that you'd like to hear. And also, if you're in the golf industry and you'd like to come on the show, again, you can reach out to either Cindy or I. Uh, We would love to have and and feature what it is that you do to help grow the game. So uh, glad you could join us this morning. And and, uh, Cindy, I'm just going to do a a quick introduction here because it looks like we've got our guests uh, waiting in the wings. So let me just uh, introduce them a little bit here, and then we'll uh, get them to join us on the program. Uh, Joining us this morning is is Heather Daly-Donofrio. She's the Chief Communications and Tour Operations Officer uh, Ricky Lasky also joining us, the Senior Vice President of Tournament Business Affairs and LPJ Properties. And of course, last but not least, is John Padani. He's the Chief Commercial Officer uh, of the LPJ. And I'm going to, uh, Cindy, just read out a little bit of, about each of them, and then we'll bring them on the show. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Heather uh, is joining us. She's, uh, again, currently the Chief Communications and Tour Operations Officer at the LPJ. And in this role, she serves as the organization's Chief Spokesperson and is charged with shaping and delivering all media and communications messaging. Uh, overseeing all competition, player services, player development, and operational matters for both the LPGA and Symmetra Tours. Uh, Ricky Lasky also joining us. 
and she is the vice president, as I said, of the Tournament Business Affairs and LPJ Properties. Uh, she's a 20-year golf industry veteran in integrated marketing, sponsorship negotiations, and business development, uh, development excuse me, generating programs across the tour's broad sponsorship platform. She works with the LPJ title sponsors to ensure they are leveraging their sponsorships to achieve maximum value and oversees, also oversees the LPJ Properties Division, which is responsible for LPJ-owned events such as the Solheim Cup and International Crown. And certainly last, as I said, but uh, not least, is uh, John Padani. He is the, currently the Chief Co- uh, Commercial Officer uh, for the LPJ, and in this role, he is responsible for business and commercial side of the LPJ, including sales and marketing, television, digital media, uh, tournaments, title sponsors, branding and creative services, and licensing. Uh, he joined the LPJ back in March of 2010, after a successful 15 years uh, with the PGA Tour. So, Sydney, let's uh, welcome our very special guests this morning, uh, Heather uh, Daly uh, Donofrio and uh, Ricky Lasky and John Padani. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, guys. <laughs> all right. All three Good morning. And- wow, this is the heavy hitter crew. <laughs> yeah, we got, <laughs> we, we got so, the big guns. So Sydney, before you start, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. What I was what I was going to say was I just wanted to to uh, give a thank you out to Al Lunsford for uh, helping to uh, organize this this morning. We appreciate Al. I'm sure you're listening uh, for helping us uh, get the the heavy hitters of the LPJ on our show this morning. So thank you very much for uh, your uh, assistance as well. Um, and Cindy, go ahead, take it away. One of the things that I have learned by being on the executive committee of the LPJ and being a member for Um, over 30 years, is that you guys really get along very well and you work like a team. And I want to commend you for that. And I think maybe we need to commend Mike Wan, the commissioner, but I must tell you, your culture where you work is amazing. So what do you guys do to make that happen? Ricky, I want to ask you that first. Well, first of all, thank you, Cindy, and, and thank you both for having us on your show. We're, we're super excited to be here, and um, I'll tell you, I, I've been with the LPJ a little over four and a half years, and I've never worked for an organization better than this one. You're absolutely right. Uh, we, uh, we are in the trenches together, and, and we all really care about each other and really like each other, and that goes a long way. Um, as you know, we started... Um, with 13 founders in 1950, and and if you walk through LPGA headquarters, um, all through all through the building, you'll see on the walls "Act like a founder," and that's what we we try to strive for every day. Each and every one of us uh, work uh, and try to make the LPGA a little bit better than it was before. That's awesome. Well said. So, John, let me ask you if. Does does a new event start with you, or does it start with Ricky, or does it start with Mike, and then trickle down, and then Heather makes sure it all works together? How does the process work? Yeah, all, all of the above. You know, it, uh, it takes a village. It, it really does, and uh, you know, a lot of teamwork involved. Some start with Ricky and her team. Some start with from our team in Asia, um, some start, you know, through Mike, uh, but we all kind of, you know, we, we have regular sales meetings and, and tournament schedule meetings, and we update each other on where things stand, and we build on each other's ideas, and, you know, we kind of divide and conquer and, and build the schedule together, so uh, it really is 
uh, a lot of people involved in that, and not people who just have that as their everyday job. Uh, we invite others from other parts of the building who may focus on the Symmetra Tour or may focus on the uh, the LPGA Foundation to sit in on sales meetings as well and kind of cross-share contacts and try to build each other. So um, it really, um, I'd say, while while there's maybe, you know, six to eight people who have that in their regular role day in and day out in one form or another, there's a lot of other people who contribute to the process. That's awesome because you guys really do a marvelous job. Heather, I think you've got the hardest job. Being a former <laughs> player – and I don't envy you. <laughs> um, being a former player and now helping to run all the events and making sure you're hearing it from both ends of the spectrum, um, how do you deal with the daily challenges? I wouldn't say I have the hardest job. I, say, I think I've got the best job. I mean, being able to work with these amazing professional athletes who are at the top of their game and the best in the world, you know, that's, that's what drives me and a lot of others here in the building on a daily basis. Um, and I, I think it's been it's been good for me, Cindy, the fact that I've come from from the playing ranks. I, I played the Metro Tour for three years. I was a, an older rookie, you know, 28 when I was a rookie, and now you know our players are 18, 19, 20 when they're rookies, and played 11 years on tour and got to serve on the board for four years during that time. So I think my experience as a player it definitely helps me in my role every day. You know, I understand where the players are coming from. Um, I, there hasn't been a challenge that I haven't been through. Um, I've had the highs, I've had the lows, um, and, I, and I do think that that helps me in my job every day. And, you know, we've got 500 plus, 535, I think, members on the LPGA, another 300 on the Symmetra Tour, and, you know, they all have their, their different personalities. And, and I think because I've played inside the ropes with many of them, um, that also helps me on a day-to-day -day basis. I agree. I'm sure that, you know, they have to respect where you're coming from because you've been in their shoes which is awesome. Ted, do you have any questions? Yeah, I, I do. And, and again, thank you uh, guys for, for joining us this morning. We really appreciate that. And we know that you guys, obviously, as you've just described, have a pretty busy schedule. Um, one of the things I, wanna, I wanted to talk to you guys about, and maybe uh, you could explain a little bit, and, and, and Heather, we'll, we'll start with you, and then uh, Ricky and, and John, please uh, jump in and, and add anything that you wish to add. Um, obviously, um, some of the big news that's been, been added in here lately is the new partnership with the PGA. Can you expand maybe a little bit about that, uh, what that is going to involve and entail, uh, Heather? Yeah, I'll actually flip that one to John. He's, he's closest to that, that relationship, so I'll let him answer. So, sure. um, yeah, we started, uh, I guess we announced it about a year ago, um, and um, it really, you know, originated from kind of building on what we were finding success in with other partnerships. So we've, we've had the partnership with the USGA on the Girls Golf Program, and that has uh, really helped us elevate Girls Golf. We formed the partnership with the PGA of America on the KPMG Women's PGA, and that helped elevate that event. And so we were seeking to apply that model further and uh, through discussions with the PGA Tour um, develop that strategic alliance and uh, there's a number of, of things uh, encompassed in, in our working together, some of which have already happened and some of which we're still working on. Um, I'd say that the, the exciting things that have already happened from an LPGA standpoint is a lot of cross-promotion and inclusion of the LPGA in, in ways that we weren't previously included. So for example, you watch the television broadcast of the PGA Tour on Golf Channel and now on CBS, 
And when they mm -hmm. show leaderboard updates of their other tours, they're now showing leaderboard updates of the LPGA. Uh, and they're also including the LPGA in the next week on tour graphics. Um, so that gives us, you know, great exposure in, in PGA Tour telecasts and promotes our title sponsors and so forth. Um, the same thing is happening on PGATour.com. So in their drop-down menu of tours, we're now included, and more importantly, in their tournament box on their homepage where they show what's going on this week. You can click on the LPGA event for that week and get a leaderboard update and a few news stories and things like that. So, uh, And then they can click from there to go to LPGA.com, and it's already leading to a lot of referrals to, to LPGA.com. We're doing that in a media sense. So, for example, Justin Thomas and Jessica Corda did a joint press conference on the, the events in Malaysia because we both play in Malaysia in October. Um, so a number of things happening. I would you know, categorize it in the cross-promotion sense. Um, the big news that everybody keeps waiting for and we are certainly working on is uh, doing a tournament together uh, featuring LPGA right. and PGA Tour players, you know, on same venue, same course, et cetera. Um, that is a priority for both organizations. Uh, we are working on it. Um, I would say there's a reasonable chance we'll get something done for 18. If it's not 18, uh, you know, it will happen. Um, you've probably seen some of the news stories. I mean, Jay Monahan's been open about the fact that uh, the Tournament of Champions in Hawaii is is one of our top priorities to get done uh, to integrate LPGA winners into that existing event in Kapalua. Uh, which fits, you know, works for our schedule um, and is a event, you know, because it's a limited field type of event, um, can accommodate the addition of the, the ladies winners. So, um, you know, that's going on. We've, we, for, you know, we work together on the Top Golf Alliance and there's some good things happening there, which we can touch on later. Uh, we're certainly doing more from a junior golf, first tee, uh, USGA, LPGA, USGA girls golf program. Um, so, you know, a lot of, and, and we're talking about the future of our media rights and where those could go and, and how to set us up um, in the best way when the time comes to go to the table to renegotiate our, our TV rights. So, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot happening, not all public yet, but um, we're, we're very th uh, encouraged by, you know, the partnership and where it's going. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I can imagine there's a lot of excitement on both ends to uh, to see what, what the future is going to hold. And I think it's a great idea. Um, as you said, John, with the cross promotions uh, between the two organizations, I think it's uh, it's certainly uh, a win-win for everybody. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about um, the LPGA Foundation. Maybe uh, somebody can share a little bit, uh, Heather or Ricky perhaps, uh, can share a little bit about what its function is. Uh, and some of the things, some of the programs that have grown out uh, from within the, the foundation itself. Sure. Yeah. Um, the foundation is really built uh, with with three arms to it. It is our our charitable foundation. We have a financial assistance fund, uh, Dolores Hope Financial Assistance Fund, where uh, we we provide. Uh, it, it's sort of the fund you never want to have to use, but we have it available to members and others in the golf industry um, when they need some assistance. We have a fairly uh, robust scholarship um, piece to the foundation. Marilyn Smith, one of our founders, she runs a, a pro-am every year uh, and gives uh, 10 to 12 scholarships to young girls going into, into college um, um, forward to playing golf, as well as a couple other scholarships. And then, obviously, you know, the, the platform that we talk the most about is our LPGA USGA Girls Golf Program, which is really changing the face of the game. Right now, uh, girls under the age of 18 are the fastest segment, mm -hmm. fastest growing segment in the game of golf. 
Um, we've gone from 5,000 girls in the game in 2011 to more than 60,000 per year in 2016. Wow. And we've got, we've got lofty goals to get to 100,000 um, girls in the program uh, per year in the next couple of years. So, you know, we're really seeing um, through our girls golf program and our partnership with the USGA, you know, a, a shift at, at the junior level um, where it's becoming more diverse, it's becoming more female, um, and girls are getting into the game and juniors overall are getting into the game at a younger age. And the research has shown the younger uh, players are introduced to the game, the longer they stay in the game. So the retention rates are, are improving. So we're really excited about the work that Nancy Henderson um, and her team with the foundation are doing uh, with girls golf and obviously with the partnership with the USGA. And as John mentioned before, you know, the first tee in the PGA Tour has been very helpful in that growth. Um, they've incorporated a lot of girls golf sites into their first tee facilities because the research that, that our foundation team has, has done, you know, does, does show that girls will stay in the game longer um, in a primarily girls program. And I think, you know, in the first tee has done a great job of incorporating our girls golf programs in, into their centers. So, we're up, um, we've added nearly 40 new sites already this year in 2017, and we're only in April. So, so the demand wow. there, the growth there, my, my daughter's 10, and she does our girls' golf program here in Port Orange, which is run by our, our foundation staff. And they, you know, they take their Saturdays, their, their own time to run that girls' golf program. And uh, when, when, uh, when one of those sessions comes up, you know, my, my daughter, it's an immediate yes for my daughter because they make it fun. They teach them the game. They teach them values. Um, they also teach them, you know, the young girls and how to gain confidence. They had them all do some public speaking um, two sessions ago with the girls' golf program. So e each girl in the program had to stand up and talk about another girl that they met that day. So they're not just teaching uh, golf and the skills of the game, but teaching sportsmanship and, and, and some life skills as well. Hey, Ted, this is John. I might, I might just add one yep. thing. Statistics to build on what Heather said. I find this statistic mm -hmm. uh, pretty amazing. So, you know, the National Golf Foundation tracks participation and number of juniors in the game and so forth. And, and forever, right. really, going back as far back as they track, the percentage of, of junior golfers who were girls was always around 20%. Back in 1995, mm -hmm. it was 17%. And and therefore, when you look at um, the number of golfers, adult golfers, that generally tracks around 20% too. You get them involved early, and about that same percentage, you know, ends up being involved later in life. Well, last year, the num the percentage of junior golfers who were girls was 32%, the highest wow. it's ever been. And and even the NGF attributes it to uh, the the programs in, in the game, like um, the girls' golf program, that are you know more actively seeking participation among young girls. So um, that that when Heather says you know changing the face of the game, that's one statistic that just shows dramatically that truly the the face of the game is changing. It's becoming much uh, you know the percentage of junior golfers is a much higher percentage of girls now. And the number of junior uh, golfer growth has gone from 2.4 million in 2011 to 3 million in 2016, and the majority of that growth is new girls coming to the game. Yeah, the the industry has certainly woken up in the last several years and and taken notice of uh, how to grow the game, and that's certainly girls and and women. Absolutely. Let me just ask, and that's for sure. Yeah. And it, let me just ask one other thing, just in sort of relation to that, and then Cindy, I'll, I'll pass it back over to you. Um, 
as you guys just pointed out, there's obviously um, some phenomenal growth. I mean, 32%, that's, that's a, a big uh, amount uh, uh, of change. Um, what about in the teaching side? Um, what do you think the LPGA is doing or could do to encourage more girls uh, and, and women in general to um, get into the teaching side uh, of the golf business? Obviously, you know, there's a lot of uh, great young uh, female players coming up through the uh, Symmetra Tour and, and of course, uh, subsequently onto the LPGA Tour. But what about the teaching side? Is there anything, any initiatives that you guys have right now to really, uh, with a, a push on that side of, uh, of things? Um, Heather? Yeah, our, our TNCP membership is growing uh, every year, and we're actively, you know, recruiting um, new members into the TNCP, and we found that it's been, you know, a really viable and great career option for a lot of college golfers who don't want to play, necessarily want to play professionally, for a lot of our Symmetra Tour players and a lot of our LPGA Tour Division players who have, have retired from competitive play and are now um, getting into, into the teaching division. And, Cindy, you know this better, better than we do. I mean, we, the, the TNCP curriculum for teaching is, is, you know, from our perspective, head and shoulders above any other te- teaching curriculum in the game, um, really focused on um, applying, you know, really a lot of teaching hours and focusing on how to teach the students and each student individually. <laughs> Um, and, and we're seeing the growth growth in our membership uh, numbers across the board in TNCP. Yeah, I think in the last seven years, it's gone from 1,200 to, to 1,700 teaching club professionals. Wow, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, and I, I think we also need to be very aware that you can like golf and play golf and not be a tour player and still work in the industry. And and I tell so many of the girls, because I run the LPGA Girls Golf Club of Buffalo, and I'm also U.S. Kids Certified and TPI Junior and all that stuff, and love helping, you know, to inspire and challenge kids to play the game, that we have our our oldest child that happens to be a girl, and she has broken 90 once in her life, but uh, she's a producer at the Golf Channel in charge of who gets to be on Morning Drive and has been Jimmy Roberts' producer at the Olympics the last three Olympics. So you can, you can love the game of golf and not play on tour and still have a job in the golf industry as all three of you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the opportunities for women in the game extend far beyond playing, um, as you're saying, um, Cindy. And, and uh, the other thing, Ted, the, one of the initiatives that the TNCP has is a, is a teaching her course which which is designed uh, to help teachers learn how to connect better connect with their female students, um, and, and we've gained quite a bit of traction um, and success with that success with that program as well. Yeah, even the PGA of America has adopted it as part of their continuing education and their their uh, services that they offer up to their members. So it's been encouraging. Well, that, yeah, I think that was actually, Cindy, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the program or the initiative that uh, Karen Palacios Jansen had mentioned when she was on the show a couple of years ago. I think that she, that's what she yeah. talked about. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, go ahead, Cindy. Yeah, they did a great job with that, a, a great job with that. Can you tell us about the Top Golf Partnership? Yeah, sure. So um, we've come together with the PGA Tour and Top Golf, and the whole idea is to utilize what's happening, um, you know, within the top top golf world, which is bringing so many new people to the game, 
to uh, you know benefit uh, all parties. So by that I mean driving you know existing golfers and our fan base to Top Golf, and then trying to take the, the the new golfers and people who are just experiencing the game for the first time at a Top Golf to uh, hopefully you know have them be interested in at least being a fan of the PGA Tour and LPGA, and ultimately um, wanting to you know experience a green grass golf course after doing that and. Um, they're now, you know, Topgolf is bringing in anywhere from 8 to 10 million people a year at their facility. There are 30 facilities that are now open, and it is a very uh, much more diverse audience than the traditional golf audience has been. It's much younger, uh, very millennial-driven, um, so we see it as a great source of attracting new millennials to the game. Um, it is much more diverse in terms of ethnicity. Um, so uh, there's a lot of good things happening, a lot of people experiencing the game for the first time, and we're just trying to uh, capitalize that in a way that benefits everybody. And that again, that could be cross-promotion, that could be we just did a junior day together where uh, five uh, cities that have top golfs um, had a day focused on junior golfers um, for first tee and uh, girls golf participants. Um, they now offer uh, free bays during the week between, I think, 9 and 5 um, to youth organizations. Uh, another way to bring even more youth to the game, we have um, where we have overlapping tournaments, either PGA Tour or LPGA tournaments in those markets. There's a lot of uh, cross-promotion going on. There may be, um, you know, say, uh, tournament functions held at a Topgolf. Uh, there may be on-site activities taking place with a satellite version of of top golf um so um you know i think it's just a, it's a it's a great innovation in the sport it's bringing a lot of new people to the game and the fact that we're all um you know talking and working together to try to optimize the impact it can have on the overall health of the game is is just a very positive thing absolutely well that's fantastic Cindy go ahead what do you believe has been your biggest win in the last 10 years? Oh, good question. Ah. <laughs> the biggest win. Don't take mine. <laughs> well, I, I have to say just the, the growth of our tour um, and the positive momentum we've seen. You know, in, in 2011, we had 23 <clears throat> official tournaments. Today we have 35. Uh, in 2011, we had a little over 40 million in total purses, and, and today that, that number is over 67 million. Um, we, um, we have official events over $2 million, 16 official events over $2 million, where in 2011 that was only eight. So I, w- I would certainly say the growth of the, the game, both uh, dom- domestically and internationally. I mean, what we've done internationally, specifically in Asia, is off the charts, and I'll let John get uh, into more of the details on on our uh, international rights and and um, how things are moving along uh, outside of the U.S. But but I have to say, hands down, um, our our schedule and and I won't steal Heather's because I know what she's going to say, but but our <laughs> schedule by far I mean, as we continue to grow. Um, you know, Mike Mike um, uh, holds us back a little bit. He uh, we've we've talk strategically that we want to be around 34 or 36 events and you know we've we've seen um 
such momentum in the last couple of years that we kind of have to hold back on a couple because we, we could get uh, higher, um, but we really want to have a little bit of an off season for our players. Uh, we, we don't want to wrap around season. We all, our players need a break and, and the staff needs a break. So uh, we, we like the sweet spot of 34 to 36 um, official events. So uh, the, the, the momentum for me has been um, incredible. <laughs> I I would probably have to kind of building on what um, Ricky had and leaving one area for Heather. Um, <laughs> I would have to say that it probably was the fact that we embraced uh, global. Uh, we didn't we didn't look at it as a weakness. We looked at it as a strength, and we tried to capitalize on um, you know what was happening around the world and and how players were developing. And then you build on top of that the Olympics taking place during this timeline, um, and uh, it's all worked together really well. And I'll give you a few examples. So um, we, um, if you look at um, our international TV rights, um, they have grown tremendously internationally, and and you know capitalizing on uh, Lydia Ko's emergence and and our TV rights in in New Zealand and uh, what's happening in Korea and Japan and Taiwan when Yanni Sen was number one and other parts of the world, uh, taking, you know, tournaments to different parts of the world and growing that, um, while at the same time growing the domestic schedule as well. But we now play in 15 different countries um, and uh, have a strong schedule at the beginning of the year in Asia and then again in the fall. And then, of course, we go to Europe now twice um, during the summer, or three times this year with a new event in Scotland. Um, so, you know, the diversity of playing in, in, in many different countries and traveling the world and capitalizing on the enthusiasm that people in other parts of the world have for women's golf um, has really uh, helped elevate the tour as well. And now you look at kind of where we are. Um, the, the nice thing is, you know, there's a perception that it's just dominated by, say, uh, Korea or Asian players um, in some ways. But honestly, if you look at the uh, the, the, world, the Rolex World Rankings, I was just looking at the update yesterday, and uh, we have 12 different countries represented in the top 22 players in the world. Um, so there really is tremendous diversity. And you take that a step further in, in terms of uh, young players trying to get to the LPGA. Um, last year, we had 45 countries represented at Q School. Just the year before that, there was only 26. So um, significant growth in the number of countries uh, of young women, young girls trying to get to the LPGA. And I think that's, that is very attributable to the Olympics um, because now that it is a, you know, Olympic sport, a podium sport, there are a lot of countries around the world who are investing in golf and trying to get athletes who can compete and ultimately try to win a medal. So um, I think, you know, just the, the diversity of our tour, capitalizing on the international opportunities, we, we have since opened an office in Seoul, um, that we keep expanding and, and now have, uh, we're going to have five people in that office. Um, that's led to a lot of uh, new opportunities, um, not only in Korea, but throughout Asia. Um, I, I just think it's really helped fuel the, the overall growth of the tour. Fantastic. And Heather? <laughs> yeah, well, I thought I was going to talk global like John, but I, I, you know, I think, I think for me, it's a, our big event. Our big events are getting even bigger. 
you know, we've our, with our five major championships um, and our partnerships with the, the PGA of America and KPMG, with, with Evian, with the U.S. Women's Open, uh, we've had four of our five uh, majors increase their purses this year with the U.S. Women's Open being at $5 million, which will be the, the richest purse in, in women's golf. Um, in elevating those events. But, I, you know, I think if, we, if I would have to pick out one thing specifically and, and not as nearly as broad terms as, as Ricky and John spoke, I think the UL International Crown, I think it was one of our, our big um, innovative steps in, in the last several years. You know, it was the first of its kind ever in, in golf in a team format. Everything from the format to how players are, are chosen to the partnership with with UL and it was a great precursor, I think, to the Olympic Games in particular this year with, with eight countries represented. Um, it's given players who are not from the United States um, or Europe who have the opportunity to play in Solheim Cup, another one of our events, the opportunity to play for their, play for their country. Um, and we'll be taking uh, UL International Crown to Korea in, in 2018, so the first time um, Side of the of the United States, and I think we see nothing but growth um, for that event, as well as Solheim Cup and, and our five major championships. Well, that's that's fantastic. Um, let me ask uh, you, you guys something, and, and um, I'm going to be a little bit little bit selfish here as as a Canadian. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. I am Canadian. Um, Cindy, Cindy and I have had the the honor of, of interviewing a number of very talented young ladies, uh, up-and-comers on the Symmetra Tour. Uh, many of them actually been Canadian. Um, what are they doing up there that's uh, producing some great Canadian players uh, all of a sudden? Um, there's always been some good ones there, but we've got, obviously, Brooke Henderson uh, has been a, a staunch uh, player here of late. But um, what are they doing up there that's just bringing so many great young Canadian players to the Tours? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Golf Canada has done a tremendous job nurturing the talent um, from the junior golf ranks all the way up through the professionals. You know, they put a lot of support behind uh, their amateurs and their professionals, and you could, you could see it at the Olympics and how they supported uh, Brooke and Elena uh, down in Rio with the staff that they brought and the support that they, they've given. Um, that they, you know, Canada's mm-hmm. had a lot of success in developing hockey players as well, and I think Golf Canada right. has learned. A lot from how they've developed uh, hockey in Canada, and you know, obviously there's a, there's a lot of a lot of talent coming out of Canada, as you said, on Symmetra Tour um, and the LPGA. We've got our two events um, in in Canada um, coming up this year again, and uh, yeah, I think Golf Canada and they've just done a great job of reinforcing and supporting their athletes. Yeah, it's a popular sport. Exactly... Oh, oh in, yeah. In I mean, Canada, I, you know, the participation rate is very high. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I, you know, whereas in the United States it might be around 20%, I think in in Canada it's closer to 30%. Um, kind of like a Minnesota and Michigan, you know, some of those northern states who have, uh, you know, even though the season is shorter and when you can play the game, yeah. uh, they have very high participation rates. You appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, we. Well, we we get as much as we can in six months, so um, you know, we try to. We try to cram as many rounds in. Uh, uh, fortunately, I've I've moved to Florida here, so I, I can play all year round. But yeah, that's yeah. I, I know that uh, 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 Golf Canada has done a phenomenal job here of late, and and uh, I'm certainly as a Canadian very proud to see a lot of great up and comers. I hope the guys uh, up there in Canada step it up a little bit and get some more uh, of the of the men's uh, 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 Canadian players. Uh, to, to step it up and, and uh, match the ladies, but uh, no, they've done a phenomenal job. Um, 
let me just sort of ask a follow-up question, if I can, just to, to what Cindy had. Um, is there anything over you know the last five to ten years that that have, has really sort of you guys have thought? And, and I'll give each of you. We'll, we'll start with Heather since uh, you didn't get as much uh, on the last one, but um, <laughs> that just sort of you went, you went, you went. <laughs> no, no offense to the others, but um, was there something specifically in the last several years? that you can think of that you just said, wow, this is just, this is really exciting. What, what's really been exciting for you guys, um, not just out on tour, but, but at the LPGA headquarters? What's really been exciting for you guys the last uh, few years? Well, I think for me, you know, now having, having played for so long and now being sort of on the other side of the business and, and interacting, I'm excited about the level of talent and the players we have on tour. And I, I was lucky enough when I played to play with a lot of the Hall of Fame members. I played a lot with uh, Beth Daniels, Betsy King, Amy Alcott, Patty Sheehan, Joanne Carter. Grew up in a time where I was playing with those players at the tail end of their career. And then in the meat of my career, I was playing with uh, Kari Webb and Annika Sorenstam, Lorena Ochoa, you know, all Meg Mallon, all these phenomenal players. And now getting to see this next wave of talent come through, the Lydia Coes, Arya Jutana, Garn, Brooke Henderson, Lexi Thompson, N.B. Park, who just got into the LPGA mm-hmm. Hall of Fame um, last year. I mean, the, the energy that our players have, the, the, the amount that they interact with their fans, their approachability, um, how they interact with them on social media, across all social media platforms, um, you know, very, very global, very diverse. And, I, and I, I, think we, I think we see that, you know, Ricky talked about the act like a founder mentality here in the building, and I think we see a lot of that out on tour with our players and try to instill that in them. You know, our founders did everything they possibly had to do and needed to do to get the tour started in 1950. And we spend a lot of time educating our players on the role of the founders and, and how important it is to carry that torch forward and lead the game better than, than we found it at our rookie orientation. We showed the founders film. We had Beth Daniel, Meg Mal, and Nancy Lopez come in and talk to the rookies about the history history of the game and the founders. And, and it, it's really exciting to see our, our talent embrace that. I mean, I, you know, they're, they're getting younger, they're getting more diverse, a lot like girls' golf, you know, in, in junior golf is, is in diversity, they're getting more global, the Olympic impact. But our, our, our athletes are, you know, they're wonderful at the customer experience, probably better than any other athletes, I would argue, in any sport at entertaining customers, mm-hmm. whether it's the pro-am, pro-am party. You know, they give so much of their time on a weekly basis. You know, they're trying to win the trophy and, and, and win that check at the end of the, end, end of the week, but they know what they need to do early on in the week to make sure that, the sponsors and the customers um, are are having a having a good time. So I, I'm just excited about the, the the talent on our tour and, um, and and where they're taking us. Well, and and just to add to that, uh, Heather, I couldn't agree with you more. And it certainly makes our job here easier when when we're talking to CEOs across the country and across the world, and and we're able to. Uh, pair them in a, in a pro-am with some of, of these very talented, uh, personable young women. Uh, they relate that, you know, they're such great ambassadors, um, not only for their personal brand, but for the LPGA. And it really, um, it really makes our job much easier as we're selling because that, that's what they're getting. That's our product, really. And, and to, to see how accessible they are, we do a thing uh, here at the LPGA called the Partner Profile, and every week uh, for every um, title sponsor, we put together a, a, just an 8 by 10 sheet to explain to uh, our membership why they're titling the event, 
who the check writer is, who to thank on course. There's a picture of the CEO, where to where to send thank you handwritten thank you notes. Uh, it's really important for us uh, to to give back to those check writers and and to ensure that um, the value proposition is there for us. And we really pride ourselves on ensuring that um, we take very good care of the folks that we're entertaining. But um, what I wanted to talk to and what I think, um, Ted, to your point, what what I think has grown tremendously over the years is, is the Solheim Cup. And, Cindy, you can probably attest in 1990 it, it was fairly small, um, uh, but we, the growth there has been phenomenal. And don't know if you guys tuned in uh, when we played in 2015 in Germany when we had the historic comeback um, for Team USA and Jarena's uh, putt, but it, every time I see it, and I've seen it a hundred times, it gives me goosebumps every time I watch it. And I just remember Julian started not being able to watch the putt until it went in and everybody went crazy. Um, but that returns to U.S. soil um, this year in 2017, August 18th through 20th in um, uh, West Des Moines at Des Moines Golf and Country Club. And it's going to be pretty cool because it's going to bring, it's going to pit Julie Engster, Hall of Famer Julie Engster against Hall of Famer Annika Sorenstam as, as captains. So we're we're excited about that. It's, it, it promises to be the biggest ever. Uh, we're expecting anywhere between 180 and 200,000 people for the week. Um, couldn't wow. be more excited about that. And we will be on network TV on, on that Sunday. So um, that that for me um, has had the, the growth there has been tremendous and it will con- just continue to grow. Yeah, I might that's, just that's add incredible. one last. Sorry, Ted, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that's fantastic. That's incredible. Um, I was just going to add one one thing, which is uh, to your question about what's you know what's been really exciting. Uh, one thing I don't think we've talked about is just the number of companies who have stepped up and made big investments in the sport and the fact that they are continually coming to us and saying, that was great, but I want to do, you know, we want to do more. How do we, how do we elevate this further? And I'm talking about companies like CME Group who got involved, you know, with our season ending event. And then we added the race to the globe and then they added network TV and they keep increasing the purse and, uh, it's just been a terrific partnership. Um, you know, Heather touched on the the big events and the majors, but having companies like KPMG and ANA get involved in two of our majors um, and elevate those two tournaments significantly, uh, UL stepping up and taking over the the UL International Crown and and uh, elevating, you know, creating and then elevating that event. So Rolex, who's been our longest. <laughs> partner and keeps adding programs that they are involved in. So it's really been uh, rewarding to see, you know, the the, uh, the commitment of these companies to women's golf. And then once they're in and seeing the value that they're getting, uh, you know, wanting to do more and wanting to take it further. Yeah, that's, you're exactly right. And, and some great points. Um, Cindy, go ahead. If you got uh, another question for them. I would like to know what motivates you to do what you do every day. Heather. Oh, that's a great question. Um, what I, when, we have, when we have candidates come into uh, headquarters when they're you know, interviewing for a position, one of the things that I always tell them, and I, and I truly believe this, and one, of, and one of the main reasons why I love working here, 
is that nobody comes into this building to punch a clock. You know, nobody is just dialing it in, putting in their time. You know, everybody who works in this building has a passion for the organization, a passion for our members, um, and, and a passion to, to elevate not only the LPGA but the sport. And, you know, we're good at, at uh, celebrating our successes, but I think uh, every time we have a success, we're looking for that, for that next big thing, and we do it together. Uh, and everybody's vested. If you come to headquarters, you'll see, you know, we've got a very open-door policy. You don't see doors shut very often. You see uh, a, lot of, a lot of teammates popping into each other's offices and, and talking about things, strategizing, asking for feedback and input. And uh, it's, it's just a, a wonderful culture here at headquarters. And, you know, what, what, what better job than to, you know, help provide that platform for the, for the best female golfers in the world. Awesome. Exactly. John? I guess um, mine's probably a little more personal um, in that I have three daughters. Um, and that was, you know, kind of part of the reason I took the job to begin with to, um, you know, be able to have an impact on women's opportunities. And uh, they're not serious golfers by any means, but they've all played sports throughout their life. But just generally speaking, you know, to be able to have a positive impact on, on and women's sports in general and, and women's opportunities, you know, more broadly uh, was certainly a factor in, in my decision to come here and, 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 you know, my daily motivation. Perfect. Ricky? And Ricky. Uh, I have to tell you, it's, it's an absolute labor of love for me. Uh, every day when I wake up, I, I look forward to coming to work, whether it's here at headquarters or on the road. Uh, I, I, I enjoy what I do. Every day is completely different from the next. And I, I, I just have the mantra, you know, make a difference. And, and that's what we tell our teams every day. What, what can we do uh, to make a difference uh, for these women professionals and, and for the next generation? Uh, I am not a golfer. I've never been a golfer. The, these guys here at the table can attest to that. Um, but, I, but I appreciate immensely what these women professionals do. Uh, I am a former athlete, so I understand what it takes to be the very best in the world. Not that I was ever the very best in the world, but I understand the commitment that it takes to, to get to that level. And, and uh, as Heather said, you know, what's next for us? I, I think uh, the door is wide open for us to walk through and, and really be the leader in sport, be a recognized leader and not only golf, but in sport as a whole. Let me well, ask you all uh, a question. Since I, I happen to be on the executive committee and the president of the Northeast section of the teaching division, what can the 1,700 TNCP members do to help make your job easier? John. Well, I think, you know, and I think they do this. I'm on the leadership, you know, committee for TNCP, so we talk about this a lot. But, um, you know, recognizing that they truly do, you know, have influence um, on the game and come in contact with a lot of people that they're teaching um, and make, you know, first and foremost, obviously, making that a good experience for them and building their business in that way. But uh, getting involved in, in girls golf in their area, which many of them do, and uh, helping to contribute in that way to, um, you know, in, in the uh, tournaments and markets in which TNCP members are finding opportunities to either bring their clients or tie into the tournament in some way. 
Um, I think, you know, being part of uh, following the LPGA through social media and our newsletter and all those kinds of things and being connected and, and then giving us feedback on how, you know, what we can do to help uh, do our part to connect um, our TNCP professionals, because that, that is one of our main, our objectives as an organization is to integrate our properties better than we had in the past. So, you know, how can, how can the LPGA help TNCP? How can TNCP help girls golf? How can we all help the Symmetra tour? You know, how can we, how, how can we leverage the, the, what we're doing individually as a group to make everybody better off? So, um, you know, I think we've made good strides in, in that regard, but there's, Still, ways to go. Um, even even just simple things like better integrating um, TNCP into the LPGA.com website. You know where we make it easier to find a teacher, and we have um, you know promo banners on the leaderboard and things like that has led to a lot more people calling and asking and so forth. And we've produced um, new PSAs that run during LPGA telecasts. And so I think there's been some good things happening, um, and hopefully you know that will continue. Fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to know how how the teachers can help you with sponsorship opportunities, um, maybe um, clinics and events, you know, coordinating with sponsors on site, maybe at tournament events. Would that Well, actually... No, it absolutely helps, and we are integrating that today. We've used it uh, at several events with some of our title and presenting sponsors and and really use it as a drumbeat throughout the year, so it's not just at one event that we're able to connect with them at that event and then continue throughout the year in hopes to continue to court them and and in addition um, uh, to provide them teaching and club professionals in, in their local area that, that can help them get better at the game and keep them in the game. So we're doing that today. I think also, you know, to ensure that those 1,700 um, teaching and golf professionals believe in the LPJ 100%. We're kind of screaming it from the rooftops on social media. So, you know, social media today is not what it was five or ten years ago, and it, it's so relevant um, we use it, um, and Heather can certainly speak to this, um, but, it, you know, it's so important to our, our core um, business now. It's grown tremendously in the last five years, and, and it's something that we use and, and certainly something that those 1,700 um, teaching and club professionals can use as well. Cindy, you, you raised a good point about sponsorship, um, you know, because so many of our teaching professionals are, you know, at country clubs and golf clubs and, and their respective markets and come across, obviously, very um, influential people and business decision makers and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, that could be an area where we, we collaborate even further um, to, you know, to at least arm our TNCP members with a few bullet points on if they come across somebody that thinks, you know, have you ever considered the LPGA and at least have a few speaking points that maybe could lead to an introduction to have a, uh, you know, more detailed conversation. I, I yeah. totally agree. And I think the fact that we've got so many diverse members, you know, some people are private uh, country club and directors of instruction, head professionals, managers, coaches, and then you've got the independent contractor who's self-employed, and I think it's it's learning to work together better 
um, you know, an example, Alan and I are certified behavior analysts, and we do team building with, you know, Microsoft, Merck, you know, well, what better way to do that than on the golf course to tie it all in and to make us aware that, you know, we could add value to an event and possibly, you know, inspire them to want to sponsor an event. So, yeah, I think there's lots of things we can do. Heather, do you have any ideas? Yeah, Cindy, I think, um, you know, from, from my world, we're in the process of revamping our player and professional development programs. Um, we're, we're shifting to a new qualifying process for the LPGA in 2018, um, which will enable us to pretty much shift um, all of our player professional development to the Symmetra Tour rather than um, focusing on the LPGA and, and the rookies, where we'll still have to do, you know, some development um, some some programs, but I think there's a while we're going through this process. I think it, you know the, working with a lot of the teaching and club professionals, um, you know, in developing some of this curriculum and really getting getting to the heart uh, of what the players need, as well as you know showing them a pathway beyond prof- the professional playing game um, into either you know teaching or being a club club manager or something another uh, opportunity in the golf business. So. Um, you know, I think as we're working on developing these programs over the next year, I think uh, TNCP can be a part of that. I think that's a great idea. I'm a member of a uh, group called Victory, which is uh, world athletes, elite athletes, Olympians uh, around the world. And what do you do when you stop doing what you're doing? And mm-hmm. Part of that is becoming aware of, well, wow, I was going to be a, a star and, and I, or I've been a star and what do I do now and I've got a second career because you're not going to play your game forever, as we both know. Um, mm-hmm. So where do you go from there? So I would absolutely love to help you with that. I know when I did all the, the clinics with the Hartford and partnered with um, the Symmetra Tour, a lot of these girls still reach out to me and say, you know, I need some help. Can you teach me how to do a clinic? And I don't know where to go. And give me that behavior assessment to find out what I'm good at and what my passions are. So I think that you've got a reservoir of information and and people that are definitely willing to help you do that professional development program. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, it, you know, it's not, it's, not just golfers that have that challenge of transitioning, you know, off the playing field. It's, Sort of throughout all of sports, and we, we've tried a couple of different different things. We're working with a partner right now called the Next Play. Uh, it's a one-on-one coaching initiative with some of our players, but definitely have a lot of room to grow there. Awesome, fantastic. Well, guys, unfortunately, um, we we have to wrap things up. That was a fast hour, um, and uh, mm-hmm. I certainly enjoyed it. And Cindy, I know you did as well, but. Uh, we know that you guys have, have got a lot of work to do, and, and I don't want Michael to get mad at any of you for, for taking too much time away from the office. So, um, unfortunately, we have to let you go. And, and, um, but we would love to extend an invite for maybe later in the season uh, as we get closer to winding things up for, for the 2017 season. Uh, maybe I can encourage you guys, Cindy and I can, can uh, put a feeler out now and, and have you guys come back again as a group and, uh, and talk a little bit about what, uh, happened in 2017, some of the, the goals that you set and, and uh, some of the future goals that you have coming up for 2018 as well. So that invitation is open. Uh, we hope you'll uh, take us up on it. But uh, in the meantime, we want to thank you very much for joining us to, this morning on the Women of Golf. We appreciate you giving of your time. Well, thank, thank you. It was yeah, our, thank our you pleasure. For having us. Thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate it.
Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a great day, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Um, very interesting. Uh, lots of great things happening uh, on the LPGA, and, and um, I was glad that they were able to share uh, some of that with us this morning and with the audience. And, and Cindy, I just wanted to take – well, we've just got a quick moment left because I mentioned in the very opening uh, credits – uh, about this past weekend's Masters. Any thoughts? Uh, obviously, congratulations to Sergio Garcia. I know uh, that's uh, uh, on the PGA Tour, but uh, uh, any thoughts? Did you get a chance to watch much of the tournament this weekend? Yes, I did. And, wow, it's, you know, the lesson is repeated until it is learned. God bless Sergio, right? Yeah. It yeah. appeared that he yeah. it was over, and it wasn't over. Yeah. Just awesome. Just totally, totally impressed with how he came back. Yeah, I was. I, what really kind of impressed me the most because I, I and I'm sure at some point he did. Um, but you know, of course, when he went into the cabin to accept his green jacket, uh, I was really impressed at how well he held it together. Because I'm sure inside, uh, maybe it hadn't quite registered completely yet. Um, but I'm sure there was a lot of emotion inside of that young man. I mean, he's been waiting for this, uh, you know, first major. And of course the master's tournament, uh, I know has been, been in his sights for, for many, many years. And, uh, he's come close a, a few times in the past and, and unfortunately, uh, it didn't quite happen for him, but th- there's a timing for everything. But, uh, one of the things that I think Cindy, I, and I would be very surprised if this doesn't happen, the same thing kind of happened with Phil Mickelson. Mm-hmm. Um, as you may, may recall, Phil, went for many, many years without a first major. And then as soon as that first Masters happened, it was like the floodgates opened. And, of course, he's had uh, multiple majors since then. I I would look to see that happening uh, with Sergio. I think now that that proverbial monkey is off his back, I think you're going to see that happen uh, in the years to come. I'd be very surprised if it doesn't. I agree. And with that... um, Cindy, we've we've got to head out. We've got to do some work ourselves, but uh, we we enjoy bringing this to you this morning. Uh, And again, thank you to our very special guests, uh, Heather uh, Daly-Donofrio, Ricky Lasky, and John Padani uh, from the LPJ headquarters. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us this morning. Uh, We really appreciate your your thoughts and inputs and and giving us an update on on what... uh, uh, a little bit about the past and, and what some of the future plans of the LPJ Tour and, and the LPJ in general. Uh, some great ideas and, and lots of things in the work uh, as well. And Cindy, thank you for, um, as a member of the LPJ, thank you for all that you do. You, you are a, a workhorse, literally, uh, in this industry, and, and we appreciate all the things that you do, and I appreciate you uh, being right here alongside me each and every Tuesday morning. It certainly would not be as much fun without you. Well, thank you, Ted, and I appreciate you asking me to join. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again this morning on the Women of Golf Show, and we will be back next Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. God bless everybody. Get out there and work hard uh, on your swings and go and visit your local teaching professional. I'm sure they are going to give you some great pointers to help. We'll see you next week here on the Women of Golf. Thank you. Take care, Cindy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.